Truth Response. Yeah, so what's up, guys? I was sick last week, so they decided to cancel. It's because Derek's the only one who knows how to do the tech stuff. Uh, apparently. I am the only one that knows how to do the tech stuff, so. Uh, um, <laughs> Alright, so it's me, Derek. He's, he's Hello. an angry, hairy man. Um, I'm here. I'm back. In the oh. room, we've got Nick. Hey. Say hello, Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello, Nick. <laughs> and Lizzie. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a guest today. His name's Trey. Hi, guys. That rhymed. Today, his name is Trey. Same tomorrow. Yeah. So, what do we want to kick off today with? Let's kick off today with the Matt Chandler stuff. Okay. Yeah, going there. Going there. Um, so a couple weeks ago, well, two two weeks ago now, three weeks ago? Something like that. Probably two or three two, weeks ago. I think it was yeah. two weeks ago. Um, Matt Chandler, pastor at... The Village The Church. Village Church. Dallas-Fort Worth. Mega Church. Um, also well-known, well-known pastor. I mean, he's, he's yeah, a pretty he, big guy. Yeah. Um, he's not really that He's big. pretty tall. I mean, he's tall. He's tall. Um but he uh, got called out. I'll just tell the whole story, I guess. I don't know how else to yeah. to kick into it, you know. Like, so he had been messaging a lady on uh, a social media. I don't remember which one it was. Um, and well, he's over forty five, so it's probably Facebook. That's true. Or it could be right. MySpace. But he is he is <laughs> a big pastor, so he's, he could be on other things too. Could be. Yeah. Um, but so he's he's messaging this 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 woman who is not his wife um, on a social media. Uh, his wife was aware. Her husband was aware. Um, there was nothing inappropriate as far as sexual or romantic or anything like that going on in the messages. And um, he was approached by a. Uh, it was a friend of the woman. It was a friend of the woman, yep. right? Uh, and she told Matt Chandler that uh, she felt like it was inappropriate, the the frequency of the messaging and uh, maybe some of the coarse joking or whatever might have actually been in the messages. And so he immediately went to uh, the elders with it um, who – then they immediately pulled a lawyer in to investigate um, and just see all that was going on. Um, and turns out it whatever whatever was going on wasn't anything necessarily morally wrong, mm-hmm. but it did violate their social media conduct policy policy. And um, he himself felt convicted of it. Um, And so he came out a couple of weeks ago and said that he was taking a sabbatical, that he wasn't stepping down as pastor, that he planned on being their pastor for, you know, the next 20 years, he said. And um, but he was taking a sabbatical. They didn't say a time frame, um, which for those of you who don't know, a sabbatical is just a time away from um, doing ministry. The everyday. Or, 
the everyday yeah. stuff um, to kind of reflect, reconnect, get your priorities in order, yeah. uh, get things back together. Yeah, sabbatical is done with intention. <laughs> right. So there's always something behind it. There is some sort of it's it's re- it's not it's redemptive. It's healing. Right. right. Yeah. For for a pastor. Um, teachers take it when they want to further their education. Some pastors will take it when they want to further their education, maybe audit a class, maybe write a book, maybe pursue a doctorate, you know, do something else. Sometimes it's a spiritual retreat. So it's, I'm going to take the next three months, six months, year, whatever, and I'm going to dive into just God refilling and refreshing. So that happened. Um, I think that with it being framed the way that I just said it, and we just t- discussed it, no big deal. Like, he felt, felt personally convicted of it. Um, there was nothing completely immoral. They, they did the right process. It's a, and I want to get into that a little bit here in a minute. But I want to open it up to you guys. To How do you feel about guys and, and girls being friends outside, like, side of like marriage and so like me and lizzie are are married me having a female friend that i talk to or her having a male friend that she talks to in a non-romantic non-sexual way um how do you guys feel about about that sounds like you're a bunch of swingers that's all i have to say (laughs) upside down pineapples (laughs) that's the sign for swingers by the way oh okay don't (laughs) don't buy anything with pineapples (laughs) i didn't know that you didn't oh it's good to know. Oh yeah, don't yeah. buy anything with pineapples because it's like yeah, okay. like for real. Well, there's your public don't service announcement. Don't buy pineapples. Yeah. Now pineapples are canceled. Crap. I getting caught in the rain. <laughs> I I think that there's something to be said for it. It's one thing to be friendly. It's another thing to communicate the way you have to. But I I I know and I see from. I mean, there's massive case studies from this, right? Like that is usually a pastor's number one um, moral failure is it's it's usually sexually related, right? Sure. Um, so I I think there is something really substantial to that, and I try to take it upon myself to protect myself from those kind of things. So um, I communicate as infrequently as possible with with women um you know there are things that do need to be said or should be need to be said or just moments of encouragement that should should be given but it's usually as minimal as possible so i think that there is something substantial to it um let's say you don't you don't even text me and i work with you i don't I, yeah I don't, like i, I mean, try not to even talk to you and you work <laughs> in, no <laughs> i mean unless it's, it's something no, work it's related true. like i yeah. say i your my text conversation with you is probably the lo- the shortest ones in my phone yeah yeah <laughs> and i i mean because you usually send it in a group message yeah and and i've i've noticed that too where others communicate with me that way which i think is a great thing and I feel a little sticky about like maybe copying Casey on something that I'd be communicating to a female. I, I don't know if that's necessary, um, depending upon the circumstance and how involved sure. she might be. But uh, yeah, I I feel like I feel like there is there's definitely a great reason why they instituted that type of social media policy at the village. 
um, especially in a church like that where there's a lot of attention being drawn to, uh, you know, to, to Matt Chandler uh, and to other pastors, presumably as well. But I think there is, is definitely something to that. Can I not be friends with a female? No. I mean, I would consider Lizzie a friend. I would, con- <laughs> I would consider, you know, other people that I communicate. Carla, Derek's wife. I mean, she's a friend. Um, you know, there's other people that I would consider friends that are, are females. Um, but it's not like we're going to the movies. It's not like we're hanging out. Like, it's not like... Sure, when and I have they a, weren't either. Right, like, and it's not like if I have a bad day, know. like, I'm not going to be like, oh, man, Lizzie, like, unless it's directly related to what's <laughs> happening at the church, like, I, I'm, that's not my person that I should be going to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but why? Is that because it's not, not, okay, so for, for sake of obviously spouse, like, mm-hmm. if your spouse is one who can handle that because not all spouses can handle the whole venting. You need to vent to sure. somebody else, right? Like right. sometimes. Right. But like if not counting your spouse, like I vent to friends, right? Mm-hmm. Some of my close friends are female. Mm-hmm. It just is that way. It mm-hmm. always has been that way. Um, so why why couldn't you vent to someone like that or having a bad day, text somebody like that? I'm not saying like. I understand what you're what you're mm-hmm. saying about like, you know, trying to keep safeguards and all that. Yeah, but... to to me, it's operating above reproach. I mean, anything that could be could be taken as oh, this individual is showing me so, attention, or um, you know, maybe they feel like men and women do not communicate the same way. Like we know waffles and spaghetti, right? Like sure. there is like <laughs> there is some crossover though. There is some crossover. There is some crossover, and and some people function a little bit more you're, on you're, one side than you're the very other, feminine right? male. I am very, so I that's am a why very it makes male, <laughs> right. No, but it's true. It is it is true. I'm not I'm not masculine in the typical sense of masculine. Right. right? Like I'm I'm not. And I, right. I you're totally just large it. and hairy. I don't care. I yeah. I am and <laughs> totally doing the wilderness thing. You know. The, um, define reproach for us, because there's probably a lot of people listening that. Uh, may not have a clue. Yeah, so to look at reproach, it would be the opportunity for somebody to say, oh, there's there's something questionable that could be going on here. So uh, examples are probably the best way to look at it. So the, the Billy Graham rule, which is something that some people know uh, in large part because of our, our former vice president, Mike Pence. So he operated by the Billy Graham rule. Media had a heyday with that when he said, I'm not going to go eat dinner with a woman alone that's not my wife. So everybody thought, oh, oh whatever, man, 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 like he's evil and wicked and he can't control himself. And it's like, no, that's, that's not it. I don't want anybody to ever have the wrong idea. And that is that is that line of reproach. Of so reproach is not necessarily that you have done something in your past that has right. can cause it. It's simply the question thereof. Right. Well, how do we actually operate like that? Because just about anything could be called into question. Anything it? could be, but if you can cover your bases on the big ticket items, like we do staff lunch here every Friday. Right. right. That's just one of the things that we've done. We did it starting at COVID time so we could help support some of our, our local restaurants and uh, places that weren't getting a lot of business. And we just have done that ever since. 
if it's a day when no one else can go and it's just Lizzie and I, we do we don't go. It's I, sure. It's it's presumably the wrong thing, right? I mean, we are in the office sure. together alone, but there are right. cameras, right? But but there's not cameras in the office. There's not cameras in the office. I know. Yeah. Uh, right. There will be. There will be. And we're doing that, we're so we're above approach, right, right. right? So it. But the question still stands: of is does it make it wrong to do that? I and is it is it here's a better question: Does it make it wrong? Is it I wrong don't across think, the no. board? Okay. Is it wrong yeah. across the board, or is it case by case? Like, does every person – is every person different? Would I be different than you to be looked at in in those regards? I don't think so. Because you are an elder at this church, I I would say for in your best interest, for you to – it would not be in your best interest to go out and eat dinner with a female friend that you have alone. Just because you're visible, we're visible, and if other people are like, oh, what's happening there? And you could have all of the defense in the world behind all of that. But if there is ever anything that can be misconstrued that way, number one, it will be, right? Right, and and let's back it up a little bit because, I mean, that's an obvious— Put the dump truck in reverse. That that feels like an obvious— Eh, you shouldn't do that, right? Like sure. that that feels a little bit on the more obvious side. Mm-hmm. Like let's back it up to what just simply what Matt Chandler was doing. Right. Right? Just messaging. Right. Everybody's in the know. Right. Everything's transparent. Yep. Is that wrong? Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of of Matt Chandler, if there wasn't a social media policy that outlined what that communication was supposed to look like, then I don't think there's anything overtly wrong with it um obviously if there is someone in the congregation somebody that they trust too that is like ah this just doesn't look good this feels icky there's something to be said for that there's something that needs to be addressed sure. and and it would depend on it did mention that there was coarse joking it, it depends on right what does what that look like right, yeah yeah, yeah. I, that that is another thing that could be mis that could be taken in a bunch of different directions right right so so, so in in Matt Matt Chandler or Matt Chandler's case, his wife was aware. The, her husband was the, aware. Yeah, for the the woman he's communicating with, her husband was aware. I'm, I'm presuming they had access potentially to their accounts to be and able to see those kind of things, and they didn't, they didn't see anything, see anything wrong. wrong with it. Right, right, right. So in that case, is that wrong? I I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think there's there's something there's something there that's. That's fine. Doesn't uh, it matter like how we look at it too? And Matt Chandler is not just Matt Chandler, right? Mm-hmm. Like personally, as Matt Chandler, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's not wrong if Matt Chandler wasn't the pastor of a huge church in, mm-hmm. in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also maybe wouldn't be necessarily wrong if Matt Chandler wasn't married or mm-hmm. or 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 or. or. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. There's all these things that we have to look at. So, like, but I think that that part, that the married part, is is part of what I'm getting at too. Though mm-hmm. is like that, like is that wrong? I mean, we got to translate some of this stuff. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a big enough story. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's important for us to translate some of this to to the average Christian listener, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that okay, yeah, he he was a pastor. I get that. 
there was a policy. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important part that in, in all of the because it wasn't everything was stated that nothing was necessarily wrong mm-hmm. that was said, so, except for maybe the course joking, but we don't understand what that actually means. Mm-hmm. So he effectively the, the, we got to look at where the like where the corrective action even came from. And then you can start to see where the who the sin was against. So in this case, it came from the church. So the sin was against the church itself, and that he didn't put himself above approach. So they felt it necessary to give a corrective action, I wouldn't say punishment, but they felt that it was necessary for him to take some time off. Yeah, so. and and in that, it's what I come back to, and what we've discussed offline is that it was a disregard for their social media policy. They had a written policy that said, right. here's, here's how you can, how you can't, what you should, what you shouldn't do. And so he broke the rule. And as the pastor, you break the rule, you should, you got to do the time and probably right. more time than if it was an associate pastor or a children's director or, so, or well, somebody it probably, not as visible. It probably would have been different if an elder had said, hey, uh, probably shouldn't have been shouldn't be doing that yeah. it probably would have been different sure, than that would a have been congregation member yeah. being like hey what do you think about this and yeah. I, I i do want to state that applause all around for the way they handled sure. it sure awesome amazing yep. perfect example of how mm-hmm. the church should handle mm-hmm. any kind of discrepancy you go yeah, to the person the person goes hide through, it and there there could have been it under the rug and stuff and then but he took oh, it and, well, and the lady could have their could've leadership could have gossiped the i mean he could have just swept it under the rug. The leadership could have swept it under the rug. I mean, there is a bunch of different layers in that that yeah. mm-hmm. they just did it really, really well with all of it. Yeah, and especially in light of the things that has come out with the SBC, the right. Southern Baptist Convention, things like Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, um, you know, and, and several other instances. Like, y- you find where their, their lead guys were untouchable. Yeah, and so it. I mean, these guys were guys that were having affairs. These guys were guys that were molesting and raping children. Like these guys are guys that were just meh, pushed to the side because they were pastors at X Y Z church right. because they had influence because their community respected them, and so that leadership drew a circle around them and said, "Out of bounds. It doesn't matter what you do. For the most part, like they're out of bounds. We're not going to bring any charges against them. We're going to keep everything hush hush and quiet." That way, it doesn't affect our church negatively. And that is wrong. So mm-hmm. we look at the other extreme where we don't see any, like, overtly negative issues here. And, like, man, like, this is going to be a big deal. Right, but, it, we've, but also, not, we've so. also talked about the difference between, you know, personal conviction mm-hmm. and sin. You sure. know, and no-nos, you yeah. know, like, just can, across the board. And I feel like in this case of of what's going on with Matt Chandler, that this is a, a personal church conviction, right? Like mm-hmm. this was this was rules that were stated by the church. Mm-hmm. Matt Chandler had a conviction mm-hmm. that he he had caused sin, whether that was breaking rules, yep. whatever it was, yep. right? Because none of that was detailed, right? So whatever it was, there was some personal conviction attached to it. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, like what? 
how far do you take this? Because we don't want to be pharisaical at the same time. Like, sure. we don't want to create all these different rules that you have to follow, or else it's it's whatever. You yeah. know. So how do we how do we approach this? And before before you guys, before I let you guys answer any more, I actually want to hear from the only woman in the room how she feels about all of this because it's a different perspective. Men and women are different. Like we we think differently, we talk differently, we approach things differently. Like what? How, what are your feelings about all of this? In, in which part of it? I mean, yeah. just in, like, you know, what, it's, where's the line? Like, is, do you see problems with it? Do you not see problems with it? Like, where, what's... I mean, Trey's wife, Brittany, is my best friend. <laughs> and I text her, call her, talk to her all the time. And my husband usually yells over the phone, leave my wife alone. Uh, <laughs> right, but that is female to female, yes, right? Yes, but like... I'm friends with Trey. I would consider myself friends with him, but I don't text him. I don't know that I even have his phone number. So most of the time I don't have the male's phone number until after I'm friends with the wife. And then I let the wife know, like, I'm texting them about these these things. Like, just because that's the way that I was raised, I guess. Hmm. See, so, I've never done like, because you, you've that, asked so. <laughs> me before if I've had some people's phone number, and I said, no, why would I have their phone number? And you're like, because they go to the church. And I'm like, it's a guy. <laughs> like, it's not like, I mean, I can look it up for you. Like, I was going to say, system, you also like, had access yeah. to, you access to all the phone, the phone yeah, numbers. So phone. that's but that doesn't necessarily more of the reason why I'm asking could, if you had it. But I mean, unless they're like involved in my ministry, whether they have students in my ministry or kids in my ministry, or they're a volunteer, I don't have a All lot right. of people's let's, phone let's, numbers. Let's, let's give you this question, like phone number side. Yeah. How do you feel about Derek having friends that are female and interacting with them and communicating with them and talking to them, presumably like he might talk to me or to Will or to Trey or... Sorry, Will. <laughs> <laughs> you had to throw Will in there. I did have she lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it. Mm. I mean, obviously, if I was to ask him to see his phone to see his conversations, and if he was trying to hide something with me, I would have a problem. But, sure. um, but I that see, I, I felt I've always felt like that's where the line of reproach is, but right? He, like, what's my history say? Like, that's where I've always I thought know of it. That he, and I could, I mean, I, I'm like when we first open to being wrong, right? squeaky clean when, until it isn't. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure. When we first got but. Hit, that's all you can shut. judge somebody based on, right? Like, shut your mouth. <laughs> you ask me what my opinion is, and then you're not listening. Yeah, well, um, I'm a man. So when we first got married, um, he was going to go see a female friend of his who was having a hard time, and they were going to go out somewhere in public, and mm-hmm. he told me where they were going and stuff like. And I don't have, I didn't have a problem. With I don't think that. we ended up going though, did we? I think you. I don't remember if you did or not, but it was like all of all of it was like okay. The, the I'm going out into a public place to talk with her. Like that's where we're gonna go. Like that's where I'm going to be and stuff like that. We're gonna meet there. We're not. You know, obviously we're not gonna drive together or anything like that. And you know, while I'm there, I'll tell you when I get there and I'll tell you when I'm leaving and mm. all of that stuff. So that's not been really an issue. But, I mean, he also doesn't ask me, like, who are you messaging? And I'm like, it's usually just my girlfriends, but <laughs> whatever. But, I mean, it's it's not. It's, I don't know that it's something that we've really thought about a lot in our marriage and stuff like that or spent a lot of time. I, so. I mean, because I've always, like I said, I come at it from the approach of, like, 
I've always had a lot more female friends than I've had guy friends until now, actually, because mm. I'm thinking about it right now. I, and and I'm I, trying to I think of like female friends, friends that I text I on a regular basis. And I had a lot more guy friends. Growing I honestly up than female can't friends. think of a whole lot of them that I do that with now. Mm. But like, um, I have, I have in the past though. Like uh, I have. Jojo and Steffi. Uh, and well, but even uh, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Michelle. I mean, uh, which was the pastor's wife before now. I mean, we all live together. Uh, so that was part of it. She was my best friend for a good chunk of time. I didn't have any friends here, really. Uh, sure, my fault, whatever you want to say. But, like, she was the one who understood ministry and all the struggles I was going through, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I mean, Lizzie was around. But I, it was one of those things that it was just we did life together. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. uh, something we thought about. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've always come at it from that approach of like, like you're right. You're everybody's squeaky clean until they're not. Mm-hmm. But I was also raised to, with the mentality of you hold on to your integrity mm-hmm. because you have integrity until you lose your integrity. Right. right? So like, mm-hmm. and so you should judge me based on the integrity of my past. Sure not on the integrity of my possible future. So, and and that's, I guess that's how I've always approached the idea of reproach. I haven't ever really thought of it in, I guess, I I don't know if that's the technical definition of just so that nobody can even think something sideways Mm -hmm. of you possibly. Like Mm -hmm. I've never really looked at it in that, in that light because of the approach that I've always taken is like my, my past is, is checkered in some areas, but not in the one we're talking about, you know. So, yeah. I, I mean, to me, when you're visible, perception, mm-hmm. perception to a lot of people is reality, and whatever they see is exactly what they think. And sure. and even if it's completely misinterpreted, if if they see something that they misinterpret, mm-hmm. it only takes fifteen minutes for them to communicate it. I mean, now especially to oh, the right. whole takes world, no time, right? right. Yeah. So all of a sudden you go from squeaky clean reputation to needing to actually thoroughly communicate like what what it was that happened and why it was it appears this way and what it is that looks like where is the practical line because if we if we as christians take that Mm. it's easy for us to be like oh now we have to hide under a bush the entire time like everything do we, we do has got to be hidden. I mean, I and don't, everything I don't think to... that's the case at all. I think the more open and the more. No, but I'm saying we could get to that point. We like, could. what is the yeah. practical yeah. line that we can draw? Like, mm-hmm. is it okay for me to go out to to uh, Chili's and have a beer? Mm-hmm. Because somebody might see me that has a drinking problem. Right. Like, if I'm not, if my character's not being called into question, if I've had one beer, is it. Am I no longer above reproach because I had one beer in a public eye? I mean, to, to uh, what line do we draw? Well, you know what I mean? Like one, I think how as, do we do that as as a church is is drawing those lines. We haven't. I mean, <laughs> I believe at a point in time there were those lines that existed. When I went to Johnson, I don't know if when you guys went to Bible college, you signed a covenant that mm-hmm. said. This is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to respond. These are things you're going to do. Yep. Trey, sure. you just had to do that with Johnson, even though you're an online student, right? And, um, you know, we kind of laughed it off with, with some of my friends, too, where it's like... No rated R movies. 
Yeah, I don't know if that... That was I, one of our... All right. Wow. I didn't yeah. read the Johnson one. I would but, say we watch rated R movies in our lounge, but, but you know, I think drink I think campus. some of that... Yeah, but you can't you can't drink. Like We couldn't drink. See, here was ours, though. Ours was... We weren't allowed to drink on campus, and if we were of age, we could drink off of campus as long as our character didn't get called into question. See, Johnson's was different. So, Johnson's, mm-hmm. at least the time that I was there, was you will not drink. Yep. You will abstain the, the entire way. And, I mean, I had... Good buddy I mean, of does mine. that count at, at home whenever you're on yeah, break? Didn't matter. Uh, whole time? Yep. Whole time. Yeah, and that's, that's so the movie thing. Crazy. That was the covenant. The movie that you thing signed. was to me that's for the four years that I was in college that's we weren't supposed wild to be because that's I think it, for the case of drinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like I understand what you're trying to get at. Jesus created wine in the part of the mm-hmm. wedding festivities where everyone was already drunk. So if that's a line in which we we are gonna be willing to draw now, you must say Jesus crossed it. He crossed a lot of lines for his time. Yes, but this is the one that we're talking about, like <laughs> sin safeguards. Like we're talking about causing yeah. causing a brother to stumble in sin. Yeah. Like this is a, that's a pretty hefty line because it's the no, first and one of the most important. Defense things we get we pull we pull of jesus's miracles right first miracle so like but But you're also implying that he that everybody was drunk and couldn't control their actions at that point i i am very much implying that that was the normal case for a jewish festival at the point where they're they're the way that it was presented in scripture alcoholic content of wine that that's completely yes. was was that is not also true. Different. The fermentation process was that far different. That's not true. Okay, you can look at history; it's not true. Fermentation has changed mm-hmm. and has has gotten more specific, so that flavoring and alcohol content was more is more regulatable. Mm-hmm. But it didn't mean that wine wasn't alcoholic then. No, and it, it and didn't, they specifically right. talked about the fact that once everyone's drunk. They normally bring, bring out, out the, the bad wine, wine right. so that people don't know the difference. Maybe it was that just was grape juice. all drawn. It could have been just grape in, juice. The best grape juice but that's not what they said, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, what is this? He brought out the good wine now. Yeah. You know, second. Like, it, it was. I think Jesus, Jesus made uh, sparkling grape juice. And it sparkling was, grape juice. It was the best it thing ever. It was so great. Yeah, it was the best thing ever. Everybody was already plastered and they, they didn't, didn't have know. to get any more. It right? just they tasted really good. No, no. That's what I think. I think it's all crazy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, and we can we can do ands and buts the whole way through. And and I, I get that's what you're doing a little bit of, and we need to do a that. A little bit. But, but I think we, that there's a practical line. We have to figure out where that practical line is because and, it's it. And for this, for, for this every reason, person, it's, it's going to be different. And for each church, it's going to be different, too, mm-hmm. specifically. I, I, I mean, and uh, you're probably going to be looser from a – from a church leadership standpoint than you would be from an individual standpoint, maybe. Um, but I, th- I think it's not just looking at your track record. I think it's looking at the track record of others. I think it's looking at the, the public perception of people in those roles of authority. I, I mean, this is not a great time. The, the public perception of, of pastors and priests and clergy and elders is at all time lows at this point, sure. just because of what we have done to that and how we've abused it and manipulated it and, and drug that through the mud. So 
for me, I've made that stand of maybe on a very rare occasion would I drink a glass of wine or have a beer or, or something like that. Sure. It would have to be a very, uh, I don't know, very specific type of... In- extraordinarily <laughs> yeah. occasionally. Yes, extraordinarily right, like, occasionally. Right. And then I think from the other side of that, like in my life before this, I was still a Christian, right? right. But my job put me in a place, in a position where I supported a several female sales reps and i had to spend time in the car with them driving to and from appointments and sometimes our whole day of going out and appointment after appointment after appointment meant we were going to eat lunch together because that's what we did and like so so with that real quick right i guess what the point the the line that i'm asking us to elaborate on Mm -hmm. is in a situation like that, do we leave it to personal conviction? Obviously, in a spouse's personal conviction on things as well, because you are one, right? Um, but do you leave that to personal conviction, or is there a hard line about it? Mm-hmm. Like as Christians, we're called to to we're called out. We're set mm-hmm. apart, right? Mm-hmm. So some things there are lines drawn. Mm-hmm. How how hard a line do we draw on something like that? personal conviction or do you just say no across the board there's a most right answer right mostly yeah yeah Yeah. it's like a mostly right answer yeah that's the reality yeah it's like there's one answer that is better than all the other answers and that's the answer you should take Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to take that option it's just you got to recognize the pitfalls of the other options right Uh so as you as you allow, as you take risk in putting yourself in this situation where temptation can come, and you know, I don't know. I just, for me personally, that's just asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'm gonna go ahead and go with the uh, very firm line where I talk to my wife. Do you, okay, but that's that's. <laughs> I already stated that as a as a personal conviction. But do you draw that line for other people? That's the question. So do we draw that line as Christians for others? Do we say, hey, you shouldn't do that? Or is it something that comes down to, hey, you should really think about it? I mean, there are those lines in the requirements of leadership in the church. I mean, there are those lines that are are very clear. Like Okay, but most of the people listening yeah. right now aren't aren't leadership, mm-hmm. right? Like I get yeah. that. Like there's there's specific guidelines to all of leadership positions. Yeah to some degree, whether mm-hmm. made by the church or whether it is made yeah. in Scripture. But I, I mean, like, just the average, everyday yeah. Christian, you're, because that's who and, we're and talking to. What, right. I, what, it, what it feels like you're arguing, then, is that, yes, it is a conviction-driven... It's conviction-driven is where it's going to come from. And you... If you are operating in a place or in a way where you feel that if somebody sees you in this doing this thing in this place with this person communicating this way, if it's not something that could be viewed by the public and you're willingly allowing and desire, it's okay if my wife walks in or my you know my spouse walks in or 
my best friend walks in or somebody that I only have a relationship because I see them every Sunday at church. Like, if you are okay with them seeing you in that situation without shame, then I think you're okay. Then, then I say you're okay. If it's something where you're like, oh, man, like, I really don't want them seeing me in the car with somebody of the opposite sex or at dinner with somebody of the opposite sex because they might say or do or whatever, there could be a compromising situation that that it reveals itself, then in that case, then I, I better not do it, right? Yeah. So that's that that is very much the line that I was trying to get to is is what's a simple way of of putting that into words but what he's talking about though is is whether what you're doing whether it's like you're talking about that personal conviction and I understand that but at the same time like you know we have a we have a responsibility to tell people like that's a bad idea yeah. yeah. Sure. I'm not yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying so, don't yeah, tell people like. Yeah. The. But just because I have a personal convention doesn't mean that you're going to have the same personal conviction. Well, you know. And I would still and say. I mean, it's really it's that's if you're it's a personal conviction that's so subjective. Yeah. And it depends on where they are in their faith as well. I also think it depends on who they're is. around during whatever it is, because like for instance, uh, I I know someone who is. A recovering alcoholic hasn't had a drink for a long time. Their spouse, she'll have a glass of wine around him. He doesn't have any issues. He doesn't get tripped up. She doesn't have any issues. She doesn't get tripped up. They're both okay with it. Does that mean she should never drink wine around him, even though that neither one of them have an issue? No, no, but right. So yeah, like, I mean, in that's the, an in-home kind of a yeah, and a and that needs situation. to be figured out. I, where Trey's at is the same way I am. If you're like, oh man, like um, Lizzie's out of town, and my friend Janet invited me to go out. You know, we're gonna go out and grab dinner together. I'd probably be like, is that really a good idea? Right. <laughs> like, well, right. I, I mean, I, I would say that same thing. Like if any any men in our any man in our men, men's group was like in that situation, I'd be like, I don't know if that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Because, sure. again, you're squeaky clean until you aren't. And, it, and the 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 line between that is so fine. It only takes one moment and you don't always know exactly. Yeah, there you go. It's a clip. You don't always know exactly how that other person feels about you even if you don't feel that way yeah. about them. It's true. And, and it takes, I, I mean, how many movies are built on that premise of, you know, they captured the photo at just the right time when that person kissed that person. And even though that person pushed the other person away, now that person is in a bunch of trouble. And like, how many movies are built on that premise? Like, sure. there you go. Like, it, it, absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and the only reason I know you guys probably feel like this is getting ridiculous, but but you're a I'm ridiculous drunk. guy. We I know, expect right? it. Yeah. And, and some yeah. of it I'm playing into very much. But I think it's important because of the fact that Matt Chandler was just messaging somebody mm-hmm. of the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. And everyone was in the know that we would normally feel as an important person to be in the know. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I think it's a... It's it's an important thing to like dig into, mm-hmm. and I think what you said about you know are you 
would you be completely unashamed of anybody and everybody being able to see whatever it is that you're doing, discussing, whatever? Mm-hmm. That's I think it's a great way to draw a line or not. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the. Ed- well, Scripture also says that, everything is permissible and everything is lawful. But, like, but it's not all beneficial. But it's not all beneficial, right? right. What I'm saying is, is Matt, that's exactly where Matt Chandler was at. Is he thought what he was doing? He he said he willingly gave his phone. He willingly, like, he was like, oh, well, if you think there's a problem here, look, and they and they determined. So he he thought that he was above board, and then sure. through the investigation and everything, and right and prayer and reflection and, and everything with you know, and policies, all mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, and but he came to the conclusion then, and he sees it right, right, which is that he was, you know, I just I think that. But my point is that if if we don't if we don't have this conversation, we either dismiss it, right, on one hand. And just say, ah, it's all fine. Everything is is good. You know, you just have your friendships and whatever. Or we end up going down this legalistic route where mm-hmm. you're like, you can't have a female friend talk to you. Mm-hmm. You can't have a female friend, period. You can't talk to somebody of the opposite gender. Like, well, we get into these these things where we want to have these. Look at the whole Old Testament mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the New mm-hmm. Testament. It's all based on that. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the extra rules that all of the Jewish people, it was all based around trying to safeguard everything. Mm-hmm. So these conversations are important. Um, yeah, and, and, and you're, you're right, but, and I don't think anyone at this table is looking at it from a legalistic standpoint. Sure. We're looking at it as a, here's a best practice. And I'm not saying that you guys are. I'm saying mm-hmm. that those listening... It can get to that point. Those listening, we don't want them to... Right land on either side of that we want them in that middle Mm -hmm. section where it's like okay i need to put up the right safeguards Mm -hmm. but at the same time and my right safeguards are gonna look a little bit different than your right safeguards Mm -hmm. but that's also based on interactions with spouses right Mm -hmm. interactions with parents Mm -hmm. if you're don't have Mm -hmm. a spouse interactions with pastors maybe maybe you'd go talk to your pastor about it or Mm -hmm. or an elder or leadership and say hey look this is what i'm i'm dealing i'm just curious what the right things to do is those conversations need to happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, if, if anything is even kind of questionable, have the conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if we are allowed to have doubts like about whether God exists at times or, or whatnot, as, as Christians, there's doubt. Not, I, I don't struggle with that, but people do. And if, if that's allowed, then conversations can happen even about this sort of thing. I think you know? for me, like, my parents did a really good job of like modeling this because mm-hmm. um, when my parents got married, um, they both were really involved with uh, their churches and stuff like that and having kids and students over all the time to their houses. And I mean, that went, that's went up until, I mean, I was, me and my brother were in college and they said, we will not have alcohol in our house. Mm-hmm. That's just, they were just like, we, we have kids over all the time. We don't want them to have access to it. We don't want, you know, them to think that because we're doing it, we think it's okay for them to do it, whatever. That mm-hmm. was their personal choice. They didn't look down on anybody. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell anybody, like, oh, look how great we are for doing this or whatever. And they don't, like, they're not, they didn't force that on me and my brother, like, I mean, when we lived with them, yes, mm-hmm. of course. We had to live by the rules. But, like, 
even as we if we were adults going back they wouldn't want us to bring alcohol they would mm. tell us not to bring alcohol in the house and i mean because that was their choice that's mm-hmm. what they've decided to do but they never but i don't see anything wrong without having alcohol in my house mm-hmm. um and they and they they were very clear on like this is our personal choice to do this because we we don't these are the reasons why and they would you know they explained all the reasons why and it makes sense um but that doesn't mean everybody's going to do the same thing and that's Mm -hmm. okay right and that's just the way that they decided to do it and like so like i mean we don't have like hardly any alcohol in our house but we do have alcohol in our house and it's it's not a big deal but it's very like from where my parents standpoint like it is a different extreme from what they were mm-hmm. and how they did but it wasn't like i don't know it wasn't like this is the way you have to do things and this is why and stuff mm-hmm. like that it was more like these are the decisions we've made for our household and our family mm-hmm. and here are the reasons why and whether you do or not it does that's that's you know that's really your up to you and between you and god mm-hmm. it's good yeah yeah, it's super good. Um, I think that, I, I don't know, I just, that was something that was a big thing that came out recently, was well done, well handled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's important not to just disregard all of those things. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important not to get too legalistic in some of those things, but to always have the conversation. If, yeah. if you have any question about any of it, be absolutely willing to have the conversation with people because. If you're seeking truth, you will find truth. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is the topic for Sunday's message? Topic is: uh, Is there an enemy? Yes. Is there an enemy? I'm not preaching, so. Oh, nice! I'm gonna get away with that one. Well, today is my anniversary. Congrats! Casey and I have been married for you 15 years today. Oh my gosh! Because it's Wednesday night and we have to be here, so we're going out to dinner on Friday, and then Saturday or nice. Sunday is Casey's birthday. So it's like, well, I'd like to have time, yeah, with one another. Not that we do, <laughs> but we're gonna go, or at least gonna go out to dinner and something on Friday night. So cool. yeah, so Jesse's coming. He's preaching. Nice. And it's good because I feel like I've talked about the enemy a lot, semi recently. Yeah, you have. So yeah, it's good yeah. to get somebody else's perspective on it, and and some other. I mean, when he says things that I say too, it helps reinforce yeah. the message that much more. But the enemy. Yeah, it's yeah. not flesh and blood. No. No, he's been all over the place though recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and if according to John, there are many antichrists that exist. So, yep, the singular Satan, and then the antichrists. Well, not to mention all of the demons that are talked about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's definitely not you and I. No. Right. We are not the enemy of each other. We're just being caught up in this big mess. I think about our country right now and how divided it's been and how we've been made to think that, you know, like you're the enemy because of 
X, Y, or Z, whether it's, yeah. you know, you're red, I'm blue, or, you know, you're black, I'm white, or, um, oh, there's a lot of colors mixed in all this in there. Yeah. Um, but it's, tribal. it's very, very, uh, but just because you're in that category, you all of a sudden are my enemy and it's become very divisive in our country. Um, yeah. It's been ripping us apart when that's not at all. It's not at all the truth. Even like just yeah. because you have your personal views and I have my personal views doesn't mean we have to even dislike each other. I yeah. mean, there's plenty of friends that I have that uh, we don't agree on most everything, yeah. but we still like each other. We still hang out with each other on occasion, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, I think it's important. I mean, I know we don't have a whole lot of time. We, we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time on, on what I feel is a great topic. Um, mm-hmm. but in, in hindsight of this Sunday, which is now last Sunday, a couple days ago, yep. um, we talking about the enemy. It's important to point out that it's not, it's not us. It's not humans. Right. Human is not, humans are not the enemy of one another. It's, it's, uh, we can be the enemies of ourselves. Yep absolutely um which is our own evil desires which is still not flesh and blood um but it's the metaphorical flesh mm-hmm. right um but it, we our hearts are wicked and we are enticed by the things that that the the spiritual influencers are ripping us around with right mm-hmm. so yeah i i was listening to a podcast Probably what day is today? Wednesday. Maybe it was either late last week or, or early this week. Um, and it's it's a pretty well known um, Christian podcast. A lot mm-hmm. of people listen to it, and I, I have found that they're as much as they try to say that they're the welcoming and in, like in, inclusive, not maybe not uber progressive, but there's some progressive roots to to the things that they say and, and the way that they talk um man i i was it just made me cringe listening mm. to this like um the the host of of this particular podcast uh at, with with this episode was just they were interviewing somebody talking about the church in america and um he kept reiterating and talking about white evangelicals, white evangelicals, white evangelicals, white evangelicals, as in forming this group that if you are white and you go to church, an evangelical church, then you are automatically in this group. Mm -hmm. And everything that he talked about was negative in terms of that group. And it made me think about that presentation given in scripture where it's if you say to the the if the eye says to the ear because you're not an ear you have no no place in the body like it made me feel that way like yeah okay there are there are churches that are predominantly white typically because they are in predominantly white areas there are churches i'm and i was offered a position at a church that was in a a very mixed um very mixed city and there were white churches and black churches and i was like 
why aren't there just churches? And they're like, well, it's been that way for the last 150 years. And either you go to the white church or you go to the black church. And if you're white, you go to this church. And if you're black, you go to this church. And I was like, well, have you ever tried, like, to tear down those walls? And they said, yeah, we've tried to do mixed things. And the white people show up here and the black people show up here. And I'm like, man, that's sad, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But... A lot of people who are standing on their soapbox of saying inclusivity and we're open and we're welcoming and gospel, you know, in its purest form are also the same people who are drawing circles and saying, you belong to this group, you belong to that group, this group is better than that group. And just because this group has perceived influence which I don't even know how influential the white evangelical church really is in our country anymore. There are a bunch of people who say they're Christians that definitely don't spend any time in Scripture and spend very little time in church. Like, And so it, they give a lot of people, a, a lot of the church, a bad name. Um, but, man, it I don't know. The enemy and divisiveness and division, and it just was one of those things that sat so poorly. I, I like to read things from the other side. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. mean like necessarily like. I mean, I'll read atheist stuff. Like, I'll, I'll read progressive Christianity stuff. I'll, I'll read it because I want to know what they're thinking. Like, right. And what drove you to come to this conclusion? Because. I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty foundational, fundamental Bible-y guy. Like, I didn't grow up in the church, and so everything, I didn't get, I didn't get my tradition from a tradition. Like, Right. It, it wasn't from your parents. It wasn't from it's my parents. It's not your parents' faith. Right. right. It, it was everything that was like, well, I'm going to read this Bible, and I want it to tell me what I'm supposed to think and act and do, and how, how it's, what does Jesus look like, and all right, he's my model. Right. And... Man, it just, I don't know. I feel like I'm wrong so many times, and I, in the grand scheme of things, I am. Like, we all are, because we can't all see the, we can't ever all get the whole picture. But it's like, there's this other side that's like telling me overtly everything you think and, and know and are is wrong. And I'm like, it can't be. It can't be like that, because we're in a church right now that is a multicultural, multinational church that the other week I put it, to, like we, there are five different native languages that exist with the people that live here, which is awesome right. in a church of 200 people. Like, right. it's crazy to think about that. And we've got, we've got Spanish-speaking people and black and white, and we don't have any Asian people. We need some Asian people. Um, <laughs> I guess Lizzie's kind of Asian. Um, don't say that. You want to be. So uh, so it's just like, I don't, I, I don't get what so many people are saying because I don't see it in our context. And then I also feel like what they're saying about me is I'm doing wrong and bad. But then I see in our context that there's good and redemption and, and unity and... The racial stuff is just—I just don't feel it here. It's you know? interesting. It's interesting you say that because I actually had that conversation today with one of our homeless guys. Mm. That I was like, you know, because we got—I got one homeless guy who's super racist, right? Mm. But he's like 
the only one I really know who's mm-hmm. like out there, like mm-hmm. just has no problem being racist, right? And I was talking to another another one of our homeless guys because I confronted him on it because he said it right in front of me and the other homeless guy was there. And after the racist homeless guy walked away, I talked. I was talking to my my favorite homeless guy. Um, <laughs> and anyways, we were talking and I was just like, I don't, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm around a lot of people of a lot of different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't believe in the whole different races thing. I, I believe we are one human sure, race. We're period. one race. different. Um, eth- yeah. Maybe that's the nerd in me, but yeah. whatever. No, that's, um, that's true. So, but different skin colors different ethnicities like i'm around a lot of those people and i just don't see the racism mm-hmm. and if i do see any racism it's within their own like their it's own racism yeah. against their own group yeah like they talk bad about themselves yeah as far as ethnicity or skin color goes and yeah. it's like I don't. It's happening now. I mean, it's really the only people talking a whole bunch of smack about white people is white liberals. So. Well, there is a lot of for that. the most you're right. part. No, you're I mean, right. Yeah. But he was saying. Yeah. He was saying. He yeah. feels like it's the opposite. He says he sees it all the time, and I just. I mean, I know we have different contexts to some degree, mm-hmm. but like, I. I don't know. I was just interesting. I had the same conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see. I don't see the divisiveness. Well, and you know? the like, sad I, part I is, is somebody on the other the side way. is going to say it's because of our white privilege, right? Like that's their, that's going to be their response is it's because you're white and it's because you have this ingrained privilege that I'm waiting for my white privilege check. Like, I don't know. I, I never, I never experienced that in my life. Like, and it's because I grew up in a community with a bunch of white people. Like, so I was the, like I was a part of that group that people didn't like, I guess. I don't know. Like I had to I had to work for everything I had. Nothing was given to me. It was more like fighting for everything I had. Yeah, right? exactly. Like to- exactly. And I and in fact, I, I love to use this example because I lived in a predominantly white area and grew up in a predominantly white area that was a predominantly poor area too. Like we're talking coal country in northeast Pennsylvania. Mm. So like I was, I was told by higher up by hiring managers that they wouldn't hire me because I'm a white male. They said if you were a female, I'd hire you. If you were any other ethnicity other than white, I'd hire you for this position. But because our diversity quota has not been met, I can't hire you. It was like so you're telling me I'm the most qualified person for this. But because my skin color and my gender or my sex doesn't align, you won't hire me. Yep, telling you that. Lawsuit. Yeah, and like, <laughs> it should be right. Right. <laughs> Who would hear that? <laughs> and see, that's so. That's, it's so crazy to me, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's it's just and that's how you create those those teams, those divides, right? mm-hmm. the red and blue, the black and white, or, mm-hmm. or the colored and not colored, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the melanin uh, uh, deficient, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but, you know, we, they, they, there's this narrative, this lie that, you know, like, oh, well, they've got it so good. Look, that's why all of these people are in these power structures. And mm-hmm. 
No, it's just all those people are the same people that have been in those power structures for the last hundred years. You know, right? Hundred years is. And things change. And what politics is, 100% of the way, is creating problems to create solutions for those problems, exactly. right? Creating problems sure. that don't exist to create solutions for so that problems that don't exist. In their one world government and, yeah. Well, that's one step farther, but. <laughs> well, that's what we're leading to. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's been conversations. There have been, there have been sure. open conversations at this point about mm-hmm. that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. And you can go. Do the research yourself. I mean, you can find it on the internet. You can find anything on the internet. But we have a common enemy because there's only one, mm-hmm. right? Right. And it's not people. And it's not people. Right. And we have to start remembering to look at people that way. Right. That it doesn't matter how much you disagree or you think the other person is wrong or you think the other person is stupid they're not the enemy period Mm -hmm. they're not the person you're fighting against they're not the thing you are fighting against they are not the reason why you aren't where you want to be or Mm -hmm. you're not where you you think you should be or whatever that might be there is a common enemy and it's not flesh and blood Mm -hmm. and we have to start looking at solutions to our problems and the combat tactics to to our enemy in such a light Mm -hmm. that it's not the person circumstance yep fatherless homes yep that's that is that is an enemy structured thing yep it's not a person structured thing yep that that is a solution that isn't oh this person did something wrong Mm -hmm. that's a that's a solution that's based in okay how do we get fathers in homes and Mm -hmm. to stay that way you know like that's so. That's just an example, but mm-hmm. I I do find it funny that <laughs> I mean, especially even you, like you, you have a split. You know, your parents got divorced, mm-hmm. and and so I don't know how their your parents were or whatever. I don't I don't know all that. But they like, hated each other. Well, but for you, like how how much were you? Was your dad there for you or your right. mom? My dad was a truck driver. Oh, there you go. So, so, and my mom worked retail. So even if even if your parents hadn't divorced, mm-hmm. your dad wasn't physically present mm-hmm. all the time, anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, the odds were stacked against you as much as they are stacked against anyone else. Yeah. Whose parents wouldn't I mean, be in their life? I guess the only difference is my like my my dad was there when he could be. You know, he sure. he no, would I'm ro- not, he would I'm not yeah he would roll in, he would roll I'm into, just saying no, situation. And, and I'm just saying. From the same standpoint, there are a lot of dads who just say, "Oh, I'm having a kid, I'm out," and they oh, leave. True, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm saying point. my dad was there when he right. could be. Right. Right. So, so I I don't have that room to necessarily say I know what that's like. Like there are dads that just so it didn't checked completely out. completely. Right. Split, my dad would but. roll up to my baseball games whenever he could. My dad would go to the beach with us. My dad would take me to the bowling alley. Like right. we would we would do things together. Um, and he was, he was involved, sure. you know, up until I pushed him out. So, you know, so I, I, this conversation makes me think of something and I'm, I feel like it ties in. Y'all have to, we'll, we'll have to determine this and we'll we'll have to leave it at this too. So, um, so yesterday, uh, Casey was picking up the high schoolers at, at school, Mm -hmm. driving home, her, uh, Brooke, our, our, uh, 15 year old, and then, um, 
another 15-year-old, two, two boys that ride home, other pastor's kids and so on. Um, so they're coming down Lee Boulevard, and motorcycle flies by them. And there's a bus coming across Lee Boulevard. Motorcycle can't stop because he's going at least 70, 80 miles an hour. Mashes into the back of the, the, the bus. Casey's the, like, this is happening right in front of Casey, right in front of Brooke. Mm. And the bike goes flying, like, mm. another block down the road. And they just watch this man die. Mm. So Casey pulls off, calls 911 immediately. Like, Brooke is like, is, is he dead? Like, what, what, am, what, am I, what am I looking at right now? I have no idea. And so she gets out. Casey gets out of the car. She gets out of the car. There's a woman that was a nurse. She saw kind of what happened, saw this man laying on the road, comes over, you know, starts doing the nurse things that you do, checking for vitals, CPR, all those kind of things. Um, another man stops that was right behind Casey. Like, he has a tarp in his in his truck they, Casey's holding one end of the tarp. He's holding the other end of the tarp. Nurse is working behind there to see what's happening. This is a school bus. So there's kids on the bus, bus driver getting off, seeing what's happening. And, but Casey was the primary witness to all mm -hmm. of this. And so she had to wait for the police. And then after that, because he was dead, they had to bring in a, you know, a special, I don't know, whatever they're called, special person to that special investigator mm -hmm. right. that looks into those kind of things and, and share this, what she saw and what the experience was and everything that happened. And she came home last night. She was just wrecked. Yeah. Like, and so is Brooke. I mean, I'm sure just wrecked. And so here's a, here's a 19 year old man. They, they never met. They had no interactions with prior to they, he, he was obviously acting a fool, like as it was anyway, like, and witnessing that didn't matter his ethnicity didn't matter his background didn't matter what he'd done he could have been a drug dealer like i don't know like i don't know the story but for them what they saw was just another human being mm -hmm. and their life ended mm -hmm. at 19 years old right and it destroyed them and the compassion that they had for that individual and then their family and the friends and, well, and Casey, and like, oh, go ahead. not even not because I mean, with her holding up the tarp, other kids didn't have to see that. Right. Right. That were driving by. And, and that's what and the whole time Casey was like, did I do the right thing? Because Brooke witnessed it and because, mm -hmm. you know, Range was in the car and because Aiden was in the car and like, mm -hmm. I, I had to do something. But yeah. did I do the right thing for their sake? And I had to, I was like, yeah, you absolutely did. Like mm -hmm. you showed them so much. You showed them so much compassion in the way that you responded in that moment. And you showed them there's consequences for acting like an idiot too. Like, mm -hmm. but beyond that, you showed them the compassion that it, it didn't matter what he was just doing. It didn't matter how foolish he was acting. It didn't matter. That was still a life. And you were going to show it respect, show light, respect to that person and the family that they represent and the friends that they have and, and all of those, all those things. And I mean, Casey didn't sleep for the better part of last night. And this morning, like, she's like, yeah, didn't really sleep. Didn't really have a good night. She's like, I, I just, I just keep seeing him. Every time my eyes close, I just, I see him laying there and I, 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 I can't stop seeing him. And to me, what that speaks of is that compassion that we have ingrained in all of us. And I get it. Some people become 
uh, become numb to that based on what they grow up with and what they see and what they experience and PTSD and all those kind of things. But ingrained in all of us is a compassion for other people, for people. And it doesn't matter doesn't matter their background makes you think about 9-11 that we just celebrated to or celebrated mourned recognized um remembered remembered there you go where almost 3,000 people that died in the midst of that and they were from every different walk of life and you you come to this place where the politics don't matter anymore and you stop listening to the voices of division and you stop listening to all of these these factions that are being formed in the world, right, which speak to who the enemy is, and you just see people. And that's the place we need to get to, is where we just see people. We just see sinners in need of a Savior. We just see sons and brothers and dads and moms and sisters and daughters. We, we just see people. We stop seeing all the, the stuff that the world is heaping on them and telling them they're no good, they're dirty, rotten, they're, they've got no place, they've got no worth, they've got no value. And, and f- this 19-year-old kid had meant so much to Casey, kid that he never met, or that she'd never met, that, I mean, she lost sleep over this. And, I mean, Brooke had a hard time talking about it yesterday when, when she witnessed it, but it's a life and that life has value attached to it. And I, I, that's the place we need to get to. Like, we can have all the debates and the conversation about being above reproach and about protecting and about division and about the enemy and about all those things. But what we have to collectively do as the body of Christ specifically is take a step back and see the people. Because that's what Jesus died for. Mm-hmm. He didn't die for your politics. He didn't die for your, your, eth- your ethnicity. He didn't die for those things. He died for people. And he died for sinners, right? He died for us while we were his enemy. And that's what we need to hold on to. Because we never know when our last day is going to happen, right? Just like that 19-year-old didn't wake up yesterday or leave work yesterday afternoon and say, I'm going to die on my way home today. He made some decisions that weren't wise, but he didn't walk away saying that. So we never know collectively when our last day is, when our last breath is going to happen. And so we've got to do our very best to, to love others and to love God. And, and that's the core of what you find in the gospel. So, man, we've kind of ran through a whole gamut of things today. Um, but my, my word to you is just that, you know, Stop seeing the labels of everybody. Stop seeing the, the politics. Stop seeing the red and the, and the blue and the black and the white. Stop seeing the, the ethnic gaps that we might have or the, the language barriers. They call it the barriers. And start seeing the people that God created, breathed the breath of life into, and ultimately died for. And, man, that's what's going to make the world a better place is when we stop seeing the things and the labels and we just start seeing the people. 
And so, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you grew up in a different way than us collectively around this table. Maybe you've had a different experience than we have. Um, You know, we're here to learn from those things. Like, we don't want to argue it. We want to debate it. Maybe we do want to debate it. But most importantly, we just want to learn from you and discuss. And so uh, we would love to hear from you. You can hit us, hit us up on, uh, through email, thetruthresponse at gmail.com. Um, check us out on the social medias, and uh, we will talk to you next week. God bless you guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and give us a like on iTunes and Spotify so that you will never miss a show. And while you're at it, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and make sure you tell your friends about this show. You don't want them to miss out on the truth because we are all about the truth here. Thanks for joining us this week and God bless.